He's razor sharp. Yeah. <laughs> I know you might. <laughs> well, good morning. Good morning. Okay, we're kind of there. <laughs> Can we go ahead and rise? Uh, we are going to sing to the Lord. He is such an awesome God. And, you know, we are in celebration of him every single day. But us, let's remind ourselves in celebration of 4th of July, all those sacrifices as well. But God has done the greatest of all sacrifices. Amen. Amen.
said in John 8 32 you you will know the truth and the truth will set you free amen? amen let's pray together Lord we're blessed that we can come together this morning to worship you and father I'm praying that as we're gathered together that we can lift you up with just from the bottom of our hearts father we we thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy and the freedom that we have to come together to worship this morning it's in Jesus name that we pray amen, amen. well good morning good to see everybody today it's a great day to be together amen amen this morning, make sure you fill out your connection card for us. If you're online, we ask that you do the same so we can keep contact with you. And at this time, the uh, praise team is going to continue singing praises and leading us in song this morning. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. Hold, hold on. One second, one second. Can we try that again? It was. It was bad. It was a little bit lackluster. Our human is showing. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's try that again. With more feeling. <laughs> through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my rounding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are. Blessing, 
Matthew 5.16 tells us, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen.
verses 11 through 12 say you turned my lament into dancing you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent Lord my God I will praise you forever amen <coughs> hold on keep going it was my turn Let's try that again. Ooh, ooh, I can see the clouds rolling. I can feel the winds and try to shake me. I will not be moved. I feel on the rock. 
That's pretty. Usually on this, this date, I have a, what I call a red meat for the congregation sermon on God and country. And um, I'm not doing that today, but I'll explain how we have a tie-in. But what I will say is our country as great as it is, is a mess. You look around what's going around in the world and, and it's a mess. You go to the grocery store, you go, you go anywhere and buy anything, you go out to eat, it's a mess. And the sad thing is, I think our founding fathers would be rolling over in their grave if they saw what we've done to this country. And at some point, we have to take a stand and you take your stand at the ballot box we have to quit putting the same people in all the time, expect different results. We have to quit wondering if they got a DNR or whatever behind them and look for men and women who will do God's will and that they will follow what God has in store for us. This country has been blessed beyond belief. It's one of the greatest and richest countries that has ever existed. 
But don't make the mistake of thinking it's going to go forever because it won't. And the problem that we have is we are doing so many things. We, we're voting for people that just gives, give me what I want. And we need leaders with the courage to give us what we need and not just what we want. And so my hope is when the ballot boxes come up that you'll do your part. And if you're a Christian, you owe it to your country to vote. And as a citizen of the United States, to vote. So if you're one of those ones, well, it doesn't matter what I do, go vote. Quit listening to the conspiracies and go vote and see what happens. The reason this ties in with all that is when you look at our nation right now, some people are just so focused on government that they lose sight of the fact of something that God does, and that is that God is with us. And sometimes people put, in all, their, put all their faith in government, and that is the worst place in the world to put it, particularly given the state of affairs at this point in time in history. We need to put our faith in Christ, and we need to put our trust in God. And that's where we need to go. And this message deals with this, because when you think about it, when times are going, when times are going well, in your own life, do you question God's love, protection, and provision for you? Do you sit back and say, man, the good times are, it's so good, my job's going well, financially everything's going well, my family's going well, God hates me. We don't do that. We think that God is with us. We probably sometimes don't even question it. Sometimes we don't even think about it because we're like, it's going so well, we, don't, we just don't do anything with it. David in this psalm has proclaimed that, that the Lord is his shepherd. And then he said, as a result of that, I, will lack, I lack nothing. He says, I lack nothing. And exactly what he was speaking of in that lacking of nothing, we, co we covered last week in verses 2 and 3. In those verses, it says, this is what I will not lack. God provides all his needs. He takes care of him. When the good times are rolling, we would agree with David. Man, the Lord is my shepherd. Man, the bank account's fat. The, jo the job's going great. My family's going great. God is with me, man. No question about it. Well, what do you do when things aren't going well? <laughs> do you feel like, what do you feel like when you're facing a deep need in your life and you're not sure it's going to be met? because you don't trust it's going to be met. Do you still feel like the Lord's your shepherd when the world around you is crashing? Do you say, oh man, it's going, it's going horrible right now. The Lord is my shepherd. Or at that point, do you start questioning, is he my shepherd? Does he love me? Does he care? When your life is rough and when you come to church, do you hide your fears and doubts and your pain? How you doing today? I'm doing great. My life's miserable, but I'm doing great. You know, the song, one of the songs we sang, The Way. All your fears and doubts, they can come too. Bring them to church. Bring them to Jesus. But many times we just put on a, we put on a face. See, what we need to understand about David is he was very serious about his relationship with God. But what's funny about David is even as deep as his relationship with God was, was he sinless? No. Was his life problem free? Nope. Was his family and children the perfect, did he have the idyllic family that you'd look at, the leave it the beaver type? Nope. David had all kinds of problems. Today we're going to see all the beautiful things that God provides for us are provided for us at all times. And that's the title of this morning's message. Sorry, I forgot to advance. It's entitled, At All Times. 
The big idea to the message this morning is this, is David speaks of God's provision in trying times, in the presence of those who oppose us, as marks of God's goodness as our shepherd. So in other words, when times are getting tough, he doesn't walk away. It's, you know, in the marriage, till death do us part. And today it's till something goes wrong and I'll leave you. But with God, he doesn't abandon us. We're going to read Psalm 23 together this morning for a final time. Our focus will be on verses 5 and 6, and it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing waters. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. So our first observation this morning is that God provides in times of trouble. That seems counterintuitive because our thinking is, and the thinking of the world is, well, if you were God's, then why is there problems? Why are there problems? Well, we live in a fallen world. David had a lot of problems, and the stuff that he's dealing with, a lot of times, they were not things that were self-inflicted. Other things were. But let's look at verse 5 again. You, and I want to focus on the first half of this. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. David acknowledged that God is his shepherd, and David had plenty of experience with troubled times, which you would think he wouldn't, but he did. And he knew that during those difficult times that God was with him. When you're going into difficult times, if you don't think God is with you, you will make a lot of serious bad decisions, some bad ones, because you're trying to fix something on your own that you're not meant to fix. God is supposed to be working with you. But when we don't know he's with us and we don't think he's with us, we're going to make bad choices because we don't have the full scope of what's going on. We just see what's before us. And a lot of times when pain and difficulties are right in front of us, that's all we see, and we don't see the repercussions, we don't see the future, but God does. Now, early in David's life, God came to him through the prophet and said, look, you're going to be the next king of Israel. So David knew this, and I can't imagine, he was probably 14, 15 years old maybe, I can't imagine telling a 14 or 15-year-old, you're going to be the next king. Now, it's one thing if you're raised in a family that that's the royal line and you know from birth that's what you're going to be. David was a shepherd. He was not raised like a king. He was not raised in royalty and splendor. He was out with those smelly sheep protecting them. King Saul, though, knew this also. And Saul at first really loved David because David took care of Goliath. But what was happening now is Saul had some paranoia going on in his life. And by the way, that's one of the worst things you can have. It'll make you think and do crazy things. I've been there before. So, but what was happening is people were singing songs about David. You know, Saul's killed thousands, David tens of thousands. And Saul's like, yeah, well, wait a minute. Thousands, tens of thousands. Wait a minute, I'm the king. You're supposed to be singing about me. You're supposed to be writing songs about me. You're supposed to be bowing down to me. But here David was getting the glory. And Saul did not like it. And so Saul started to try to kill David at every opportunity that he can. So at one point in his life, David's on the run with a small army of a couple thousand people running with him because they believed in him. And when you look at David, 
He's the man that God said, you're going to be the next king. But yet here's Saul trying to kill him. I alluded to this last week, but when David was on the run, he was hiding in a cave. And Saul comes in the cave to relieve himself. So I want to take you right to the passage. I I debated whether to read it because it's kind of lengthy, but I like the passage, so you bear with me. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 24. We're going to look at 12 verses. It says this. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, Look, David is in the desert in Gedi. Whoops, sorry about that. And so Saul took 3,000 select men. Now, he didn't just grab his flunkies. He went for the best men he could get from all of Israel. And he went to find David and his men in the region of the rocks of the mountain goats. He came to the sheepfolds by the road where, he was, where there was a cave. Saul went into, into it to relieve himself. And David and his men were sitting in the recesses of the cave. David's men said to David, This is the day which the Lord told you, I will give your enemy into your hand. You can do it, you can do to him whatever seems appropriate to you. So David got up and he quietly cut the edge of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. He said to his men, May the Lord keep me far away from doing such a thing to to my Lord, who is the Lord's chosen one by extending my hand against him. After all, he is the Lord's chosen one. David restrained his men with these words. David restrained the men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave, started down the road. Afterward, David got up and he went to the cave and he called out to Saul, my Lord, my king. When Saul looked behind him, David knelt down. He bowed his face to the ground. David said to Saul, why do you pay attention when men say David is seeking to harm you? Now, there's a lesson there. Today, your own eyes see how the Lord delivered you this very day into my hands in the cave. Some told me to kill you, but I had pity on you and said, I will not extend my hand against the Lord's, against the Lord, for he is the Lord's chosen one. Look, my father, and see the edge of your robe that's in, in, in my hand. When I cut off the edge of your robe, I didn't kill you. So realize and understand that I am not planning evil or rebellion. Even though I have not sinned against you, you are waiting in ambush to take my life. May the Lord judge between the two of us. May the Lord vindicate me over you. But my hand will not be against you. Now think about this. David is on the run. He's got an army of a couple thousand people, okay? They're constantly on the run. They're afraid of dying. David knows he's going to be king, but yet he's running. His men are with him. They're tired. They're away from their families. They're not with their wives. They're not with their kids. And all lo and behold, wow, David just hit the lottery. Here's the guy pursuing him, relieving himself, obviously defenseless, and his men are like, look, and they even kind of quote God and say, look, he's, God delivered the enemy into your hands. I mean, what more could you ask for? He's, they've got some biblical grounds, and they got Saul. And if, you, if I were David, I probably would have said, yeah, get him, boys. Lopped off his head, walked out of that cave and said, hey, buddies. Boom, head drop moment. And then I walked out and said, I'm your king now. 
God said I'm your king. The prophet will back that up. Here's the problem, though. David knows God really well. And he knows that, yes, he's going to be king. Yes, Saul is unhinged. But he also knows God well enough to know that God would not have David take his life. He knew that. And he knew, even though he was hiding in this cave, who was with him? God. So what did David not have to do? Take matters into his own hands. He knew that when the time was to come, God would deal with it. He did not have to be the avenger because he knew he wasn't supposed to. And his men have got to be going, you've got to be kidding me. We can get rid of this guy and we can go home and be with my wife and make more babies and we can have food and it's going to be great. David says, nope. And it took a lot of faith from his men not to just say, you're crazy. We'll repent later and kill him. But see, David could do what he did because he knew who was with him. He knew God. He didn't make what would have been a very dumb decision, even though... Now, how many times have we been given a set of circumstances and we automatically surmise, that's got to be God, and we go for it, and it fails? I thought this was God. No, you saw an opportunity that you didn't pray about and ask God, give me a sign, let me know, is this really what you want or is this what I really want? Sometimes those things come together. Many times they don't. David could have said, Thank you, Lord, for this sacrifice you provided me. (laughs) And ended it. But he didn't. If you don't know that God is with you in times of trouble, you will do exactly what David didn't do. You'll kill the king figuratively. And you'll think, well, look, the circumstances, it all all lined up. It's got to be God. But David knew God well enough to know that it wasn't God. When you're under attack, God is with you. And by the way, if if you listen to that passage carefully... Part of Saul's problem was he was listening to people in his ear. Look at David, look at David, look at David, look at... David had done nothing to Saul to to have Saul question him, but other people were running their mouth. You ever been a victim of that? I have. People, somebody in somebody's ear yapping about you, and then the person that believes in you starts to question you, and then all heck breaks loose. So keep that in mind. In verses 5 through 6, when we've looked at this this, uh, psalm so far... Before that, it's definitely sheep and shepherd. But now in this passage, it appears that the shift is to more host and hostess. Host and guest, I should say. Host and guest. Now, like Warren Wearsby and some of the other commentators, they surmise that it's still sheep and shepherd. It could be. If, it, if the image is staying with the sheep and the shepherd, then what you have here is when a shepherd would have the sheep come into the fold, he would stand at the gate and he would look at each sheep, each one of the sheep as they'd come in. He'd check them out. If there was anything wrong with them, he'd, he'd put oil on them to, to help heal them. He would take care of their needs. If they were thirsty, he'd give them drink. And he would put oil on them to help keep the flies away. And then once all the sheep were in the fold, he would lay, lay himself across the gate to protect them. So when the sheep would come in, they're good to go. But in verses 5 and 6, this more looks like an issue of where we're talking about God being the host and the people being the guest. And what's really neat about this is this really shows the ultimate communion we have with God when we belong to him. David felt this. In spite of David's mistakes and his sin, he still felt close to God. And remember, God said, there's a man after my own heart. Oh, you mean that adulterer? You mean that murderer? You mean that guy who was not a very good parent? You mean that guy who wasn't perfect? That's a guy after your own... Man, I'll tell you what, I got a lot of encouragement for that in my life. I'm like, man... David seems like he's a lot worse than I am. But what happened here 
is when we see this imagery shift, it says that God's preparing a feast before your enemy to show that God is with you. Since God is the host in the presence of our enemies, I kind of sense a tinge of taunting here. And it kind of goes like this. You're being attacked in all directions. God brings you in and gives you a banquet. And in the meantime, you're standing there kind of sticking your tongue and thumbing your nose at everybody and say, hey, come and get me now. Look who's with me. I'm in the house of the Lord. God is protecting me. You mean harm for me. God means good for me because he's with me. And their enemies are looking at you and say, oh, I better, I didn't realize that. And you're saying, you, you come after me, you're coming after God. Good luck with that. You want to back away now? The enemies may think they have the upper hand, and you may think they have the upper hand, but ultimately, God has the final say. And we have to believe in that. The taunt is, you mess with me, but you can't hurt me because you can't hurt God. Hospitality in the Near East at that time required more than just providing a meal. When you would come into a home of somebody, they protected you. You were under their protection at that point. So if you came into someone's house and they're protecting you, an example of this is in Genesis chapter 18, 19, verse 8, when Lot had the angels visit him and they came into the house and all the perverts in town were coming to try to get those guys to come out so they could have relations with them. And Lot said something that I could, it's always freaked me out. Hey, leave these guys alone. Take my daughters. They don't know a guy. I'm like, ooh, I don't know about you, but they come after my daughters. I'm coming out guns a-blazing. It's, it's, it's not going to go like that. But that's how serious this protection was. When you came. If you come into my house during that, I would protect you with everything I've got. All, every bullet I have, whatever it took, you would be protected. No one would bring harm to you in my home. And that's how they looked at that. So since David is a guest in the house of the Lord, guess what he gets? Protection. No matter what's going on around him, he can sit at that banquet table and eat in peace, not worrying about being attacked. And many times when people are coming at us, we're so focused on the attacks, we're so focused on hating the person who's attacking us that we forget that we're in the house of the Lord. They may try to hurt you physically, emotionally, mentally. They may try to damage your reputation. But God's there to protect you. He's there to protect you. Let's look at verse 5 again. We're going to focus on the second half of it here. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. So the other time that God provides for you is in times of need. In times of need. As I said before, when the sheep were coming into the pen, the shepherd would use oil to heal them. Um, he would also use it to kind of keep the flies off them. He'd put it on their horns and their heads to do that. Keeps the insects away. The sheep knew they were safe. They knew that when the shepherd was with them that they could rest, that they could eat. Uh, but back to our scenario with the guests and the host, which I believe this is really going after more so than the, than the sheep and the shepherd. More than security and subsidence was provided when you went into the house of someone. When the passage says, you anoint my head with oil, this was done as a sign of love and respect and gladness. In other words, when you came into somebody's home in the, e in the Near East and during that time where they were, it wasn't like, oh gosh, here comes Joe again. No, you were glad that Joe was there. And so you would take care of him, but you would anoint his head with oil because you were happy. It was a great treatment because that was a guest of honor that was coming into your house. You wanted them there. And he talks about my cup overflows. The blessings were more than abundant. 
I've talked to friends of mine who are in the mission field and other been on mission trips, and some of them have been in very poor parts of the world. And when you go to those parts of the world, when they have, when, when somebody from that part of the world invites you into their home, you know what they do? They give you everything they have from a, from a food standpoint. Even if it means they're going to go hungry the next day, they'll make sure you come out of that house full. That's one of the reasons I couldn't go to some place. I can't eat certain things. It would be disrespectful. But they give it all as a sign of respect. And so when you go into the house of even the poorest person, you're not leaving hungry because they will make sure you're taken care of. Well, when we go into the house of the Lord, it's going to be, our cup is going to overflow with blessing. And David, as he reflects on his life, he's probably an older man at this point. He's probably reflecting on how the fact, how, on how full his life has become because of his relationship with God. These thoughts remind us of what Paul said about, told us in Philippians 4.19. He says, And my God will supply your every need according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So what we have in this passage is go back to the scenario of, the poor, of a poor person that you're coming in to see if you're in the mission field, for instance. They're going to give you all they have, but what they have is limited. And any of us in here, we all have limited resources, some more limited than others. So when you come into to the house, uh, most of the time we will, you know, people will feed you a really nice meal. They'll do the best they can. But with God, his resources are not limited. His blessings are unlimited. You can have all the, he, he, he's got everything. Yeah, I kind of said this morning, I thought about the Chinese buffet, but then I thought, well, that might not be a really good example. But you go in there, man, and if, like, if I go to Chili's or somewhere, you know, you order a plate and that's all you get, you know. We went to a new restaurant the other day, it was really good, but it, I won't mention the name, but it was really good, but it came with a seaweed salad for my wife, and it was literally this, in a cup this size. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that looks like a seafood, a seaweed sampler, but anyway... But you go to the Chinese restaurant, man, I don't know when they'd say, hey, fat boy, get out of here. You can't eat anymore. But, but you know, you can just eat and 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 throw up and go eat some more. And, and you can have some of that fine Chinese ice cream too, by the way. But uh, it's full. The banquet table's full there. And when we come to the Lord and we're in his house, our, our cup's going to overflow. Even during times of trouble, and in times of need. And what's funny about this is guess who it's going to be done in front of? The same people who are coming after you. They're going to see God blessing you. And they're going to be like, oh, okay. Didn't know that. Didn't know that you had that kind of relationship. All the enemies get to witness this. It's good to know that when you're in need, God is there. Because many times we question it. When, when we have plenty, we don't. But when we have need, we think, eh, He's not my shepherd now. The other great thing is we can relax in his presence. And sometimes the strain and stress of life, we just don't take a breath. We just don't take a breath at all. Let's look at verse 6. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. So the next thing we see is this, that God provides throughout our lives. And I should have said for out our eternal lives. With all the things that was discussed in verses 1 through 5 that David explains, his greatest joy is experienced from the realization that his continuing, relation, continuing relationship with the Lord is not a fleeting interlude. In other words, it's not going to end when he takes his last breath. We're all going to take our last breath. But David knows when that happens, he's still going to have this relationship. And the implication of verse 6 in the text is this, 
It indicates a covenant relationship with the Lord. David isn't just a friend, but he's in a covenant relationship. The word that he uses that we translate surely can be, basically means I am certain of, I am sure of, I don't doubt this one bit. I am saying this with full assurance, without, without equivocation, without anything. I believe this, I know this to be fact. And he says that God's goodness and, which, his goodness and faithfulness, some translations say mercy, blessings and love are promised to him by God, and he won't doubt when they come. Since this is true of Old Covenant, it's even more so when we're sealed by the blood of Jesus. When you look at Hebrews chapter 8, when we're sealed by the blood of Jesus, we know God's got these things in store for us. The word goodness is a covenant term. It was found in Near Eastern usage during that time. It indicated the peace and the harmony that was established by a treaty. Not only are we dealing with God's goodness, but we also get his faithfulness, which in some versions are translated mercy. The word faithfulness translates a word that means, that's, that means a deep emotion that leads to activity that's beneficial for the recipient. Activity that the recipient cannot do on their own. And this action is performed because of the commitment between two persons or parties. So when God talks, when we talk about God's mercy and his faithfulness, what we're saying here is that God promises us that he will take care of what we can't take care of for ourselves. The term pursue is used to, to talk about this relentless pursuit that God has for David for his goodness and his faithfulness. Just like God, David's enemies were pursuing him, Saul was pretty persistent, God's pursuit of David is even greater and even more intense. It's really cool. The wicked are haunted by calamity. The person of God anticipates nothing but goodness and faithfulness. You ever been around negative people? I mean, Saturday Night Live years ago used to have a skit uh, with Rachel Dratch. It was uh, Debbie, Dow Debbie Downer. Yeah, some of you have seen it. And she, everybody's talking about good things, and Debbie Downer would have something horrible to say, and then you hear, wah, 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 and, you know, and everybody would be all bummed out about it. Well, you know why people are Debbie Downers? It's their focus. It's their focus. They're always looking at the negative of everything. Wah, wah, wah. You know, they just have that soundtrack playing with them. Every time you say something, they've always got And I've been around those people. Man, I tell you what, they are draining. They will suck the life right out of you. Wah, wah, wah. But the fact is, do you want to stop being a negative person if you are? You know how you do that? It's your focus. In our country, look, we've got problems. It's a train wreck right now. It really is. And I hope at the next election, people will, will follow God's and vote but if I just focus on that I'm going to become cynical angry, upset negative conspiratorial and that's what's going to happen that's all I'm going to see why don't I put my focus on the fact that God is good and that his mercy and goodness are, or his, his goodness and faithfulness are pursuing me and put my focus on that yeah the other things need to be taken care of but you can do that without being a negative person. And David is saying, even though he'd been through so many times, and look, if anybody could question God's goodness, it would have been David in the sense that, why am I being chased? Why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? I belong to you, I thought. But David knew who God was. He knew that no matter what the circumstances, God would protect him and would provide for him. And if you don't have that assurance, the first time anything rough happens, it can destroy you.
and I've seen it happen. And that's not to make light of the things that hit you, because, man, there's some horrible things. But you can succumb to those if you want, or you can choose joy. You can choose to be positive. And by the way, from what I've, re I've read some things on the past that talk about when you're dealing with medical stuff, the people with positive outlooks tend to do better. Just, I don't know why, but it, they tend to do better. David, then, when it's all said and done, he says, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Forever. What are you looking forward to in your future? And I'm not talking about your bank account and your relationship. What are you looking forward to in your future? Let me tell you something. When I was younger, I, I didn't really give this a lot of thought. I didn't. I'm just living life. But now that I've gotten older, and I've got a lot more life in, behind me than I do in front of me, I think about this a lot. And David, as he's reflecting on his life, the good and the bad, the joys and the pains, it brings a smile to his face, say, you know what? Because of my covenant relationship with God, I will be in his house forever. And when you get to that point where you start to understand and you start thinking about that future, it changes your outlook on some things. Some of the things that used to just destroy you, you're like, eh, whatever, we'll deal with it. And it takes a lot of the negativity away because let's face it, life can be a struggle. <laughs> life is a struggle. We have many challenges that will lead us questioning, well, where is God? David knew his shepherd well enough and had seen him be, be, being provided for in moments when the world of David was looking like it was collapsing, God was there. And he drew faith from that. David many times walked through that valley, that dark valley, found himself surrounded by God's light. David had seen moments when his enemies were literally gathering around him to kill him plotting his demise, but he knew that God was with him. He knew that God was faithful to him. Jesus provides all this for us. After all, he does what the Father does. Our application for this morning is simple. God's presence with us during difficult and trying times is meant to create great confidence in his faithfulness in us. So when you're going through difficult times, which I know we all go through them at various times, don't forget who's with you. Even when you walk through the darkest valley, he is with you. This morning, our praise team is going to come up and sing a closing song. Excuse me, a song of invitation. And if, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we give you that opportunity this morning. The great shepherd wants to be with you forever. He loves you and he cares for you. He wants to provide and protect. He wants to be there for you. He wants to be your God, and he wants you to be with him for eternity. If you need that this morning, we offer you that opportunity. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning as the bombs are bursting in midair. And uh, if you uh, need prayer this morning, if you want to come forward, I'd be glad to pray with you. But this time, let's stand together and sing our song of decision, Broken Vessels.
Spirit. We live in a country where people will get on a raft. Have you ever, how many of you have been to the ocean? Any of you have not been, not seen it? Anybody in here not seen the ocean? Everybody seen, I'm talking about pictures, I mean in person. Anybody here never been to the ocean? Okay, well, there's one. One of the Mouseketeers. Um, it's big, right? All of them, pretty much. Yeah. They're deep. You know, Titanic's sitting 13-some thousand feet below water, and of course we know the tragedy that happened when you tempted, when people tempted fate and took a tin can down there and decided to go check it out. But um, people will get on a raft to float over to the United States. People will walk hundreds of, sometimes thousands of miles to come to this country. They're not flocking to North Korea. They're not flocking to Venezuela. They're not flocking to Mexico. I'm not sure why they're not flocking to Italy. That's beautiful, just saying. But they're coming here. People came from all over the world here. Why? Why? The St. Louis Cardinal fans? I don't know. They come here because this is the greatest country that's out there. And people are willing to die to come here. And the reason that this country is so great, the reason it's here is because people like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, John Hancock, the list goes on, and tens of thousands of people who lost their lives and lost everything they had, they did this thing called sacrifice. They sacrificed their blood, their reputations, their property, everything, to provide us a free nation. That, By the way, we're abusing right now. At some point, that's got to change. You can't keep going trillions of dollars into debt. It doesn't work that way. But the problem is, or the great thing is, we are living off the backs of those sacrifices. And we owe it to them to not abuse it, by the way. But had it not been for the sacrifice and the bloodshed of our founders, this country wouldn't be here today. We'd be all drinking tea and eating hard cookies. I think they call them biscuits. I don't know. And, and we'd have boots instead of trunks and a bunch of other weird words that they call stuff. I, I don't understand. They need to learn English. But anyway... That's what we'd have today, or maybe even worse. Um, what happens during the Second World War with Germany if the United States isn't here? Maybe we're all speaking German. You know, maybe the Jewish nation gets extinct. There's all kinds of things, ramifications that this country's not here. When there's disasters, who's the first country to be there? It's us. It's not the Muslim countries, is it? It's us. So that all happened because of a sacrifice. When we take this communion this morning, this happened. Your freedom in Christ came as a result of a sacrifice and because of blood that was shed. Without it, we would, we would still be lost, living in the dark, fighting and killing each other for every scrap of life we could have. But see, Jesus made, did that sacrifice for you. And if he did that sacrifice for you, do you not think that you're important to him? You are. He cares for you, and he loves you, and he'll get you through whatever you're dealing with because of that love. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we take our communion this morning that we understand the ramifications 
the significance and the love and the sacrifice it took. This cup represents the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. This bread represents the body that was broken before he even got on the cross for our sins. And Father, even in our deep, deepest times of hurt and even the magnificent joys that we experience, we need to know you're with us. Lord, we're taking this as not a remembrance of a death, but as a celebration of a resurrection and a celebration that we're going to be in your house forever. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Most of us unaware of it, holding fast to it nonetheless, as we breathe its air, take in its beauty, as we work its land and cultivate its commerce. We create in it, laugh in it, dance in it, raise our families in it, kneel and pray for it. But here, here is the day where we stop and look at it. Really look at it. We light up the sky for it. Wave our flags with a special kind of joy 
gather our neighbors and loved ones, and let freedom ring. Over the mountains we climb, through the neighborhoods where we live our lives, and into the night sky that watches it all. We celebrate our freedom and press on to perfect the process of democracy. Our democracy. With every hearty handshake and every bright firework and each prayer of thanks to God for all of it, we continue to pursue the protection of life. We keep protecting the hard-fought liberty. Out of many, we have become one. On the inside of your bulletin, we have some announcements for this week. Um, Jerry will have the elementary crew and the high school groups this evening. Next week, he'll be out of town uh, spending time with his lovely wife. So um, make sure if you're in those age groups, you know to be here. Church office will be closed on Tuesday. Uh, we will not have adult Bible study again until um, August. And uh, I, I, don't think there, no, there's, I don't think there's any teen study this week either. But if you all know different do what Jerry told you to do. Um, we have the Sunshine Ladies meeting Saturday. The next spa meeting is July 15th from 11 to 1.30. There's going to be more details coming out of that. Narrow Path, we're getting ready for our next one on the 22nd, and uh, it's going to be a cookout, and so you'll see a sign-up where you can bring different things, and if there's something you want, else you want to bring that's not on that list, feel free to bring it. Um, it's fine. Uh, Operation Christmas Child's taking donations. Such as Love is looking for some things. Also here at First Christian, we'll have a Singspiration on July 30th at 5 p.m. Be solos, duets, ensembles, great congregational singing and refreshments. Uh, they'll be doing a lot of old school music during that time. Um, also, an, an announcement I was hoping I wouldn't have to make. As you know, as I mentioned, we've been transitioning to Servant Keeper because Faith Life ditched everybody. But anyway, um, that's putting it nicely. I let them know that every time I call them, by the way. But anyway, um, for those who give reoccurring gifts, your stuff was supposed to migrate, which I, it did, it looks like, because I've tested it. But I noticed this morning that my giving didn't come out, and I'm like, oh, seriously? So I did some more testing and found out that when I tried to give through my bank account, it, was, it wouldn't do it. So I'm going to get on the phone with them on Monday. So uh, if, you're giving, if your gifts come through the week, you might be okay. But as soon as I find out what's happening, I did run a test thing. When I ran my credit card this morning. It ran just fine. So anyway, uh, I was hoping we wouldn't have any snags, but apparently we got a small one, even though I tested all this stuff last week with them. So anyway, uh, if, you're, if you do give today electronically, it didn't come out, don't panic. We'll let you know what to do about that. I may end up having two taken out this week because of what I did, but I thought, eh, we'll give it a shot. Okay, so I'll email people on that. Uh, I think that's all the announcements we have. In the back of your bulletin, we have a lot of people we've been praying for. We're pr you know, praying for Kurt. He's not doing well. Bessie's out of the hospital. We've got a lot of other people we've been lifting up in prayer. Um, be in prayer for Gene as he's having some issues, medical issues that we'll be praying for. We're lifting up all the missions that we support. Uh, our outreach is Operation Christmas Child. We want to pray for our nation. And uh, over the 4th of July celebrations everyone has, have a good time. Be safe. Don't shoot your eye out with fireworks, obviously. And we'll have a good time. But that's all I have. So at this time, let's stand together, have a closing prayer, and the band will play a, a song for us going out.
Father, I thank you for the freedom that we have in you, that that freedom was bought with a price, just like our nation, our freedom was bought with a price. And I pray that as Christians, we live up to that price, and as citizens of the United States, that we do the same. Lord, I pray that as we live our lives this week, we live it with joy, knowing that you are with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.